Welcome to the Off Duty On Duty Podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Part of the ConcealedCarry.com Podcast Network, the Off Duty On Duty Podcast. We take topics relevant to today's gun owners. We tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and cops. Today, I'm joined by my old buddy, Phil. Phil Paz, actor extraordinaire. We're going to talk about life after police work. But first, word from our sponsors. This week's sponsor is handgundrills.com. Check them out. They've got targets. They've got an entire library's full of handgun exercises for dry practice, for live fire, whole nine yards. You know, I constantly get asked, like, what's your favorite drill? What's your favorite drill? Well, I don't particularly have a favorite. I like a bunch of different ones. And uh, they do a really good job of formatting and organizing those into books. Check it out at handgundrills.com. Also, Manus X, still a sponsor, manusx.com. Get a Manus X. Go to Handgun Drills. Get their manual. Spend some time uh, with your favorite pistola also as always edc belt company the foundation belt the most comfortable concealed carry belt on the market you know where to get them edcbeltco.com and uh our buddy mick mick shook carry trainer has uh a discount code so i will give you the discount code it is carry trainer all caps on the website so if you want a little little price break there order away all right let's bring in our guest first-time guest on the off-duty on-duty podcast phil pause actor extraordinaire that's how i uh, introduced you in the pre-show yeah we spent 20 years off and on working together so glad to have you on yeah you know thanks man uh thanks for uh thanks for having me you know i uh uh like brian said we we worked a long time together there at uh, the good old uh, police department um at the PD, at the PD, that's, uh, you know, I, uh, and I'll just, uh, I'll give you a little background about myself. Yeah, do that. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I grew up in Moore, Oklahoma. Uh, when I turned 18 years old, I joined the Air Force uh, Reserves as a uh, security, uh, at that time we were uh, air police. It had just switched from air police or something like that, and we were uh, security police. Later, weapon system security, then security forces. And it was whenever I retired from the Air Force, it was security forces, but spent 24 years, 25 years in the Air Force. Um, Never did any uh, active duty time, except for very short stints. Got to travel the world, had a good time. I, you know, I got to visit uh, Korea, Germany, where else? Italy. Just uh, got to travel the world, had a good time. And, uh, Completed my career in 2004 when I retired as a uh, senior master sergeant. Um, during that time, you know, in the reserves, uh, you're able to uh, work a civilian job. So in 1991, I uh, applied with Oklahoma City Police Department, uh, was accepted, went to the academy, and for the next 29 years, worked the streets there in Oklahoma City. And uh, 25 of those years, I was uh I was fortunate enough to be part of the uh, tactical team, our our version of SWAT. And last ten years on the uh, on the team, I was uh, sniper team leader, and retired from the police department 
April 2nd of 2020. And so, you know, it's, uh, it was a fun ride. I loved being a cop. Um, I mean, you know, you were there, you, uh, you know, the times were, uh, good. They were bad. They were bitter, bittersweet. They were sad. They were happy. You know, it just every gamut of emotion. And, uh, I had a great time. Was I ready to leave? Yeah, I was. And, uh, you know, retirement and I'm like you, I, I highly encourage anyone who can, uh, retire from that field to do so. I mean, we need good cops, obviously, and uh, I pray every day for the guys that uh, that are still doing the job. It was a good job for me. I know it was for you too, Brian. And uh, so here we are. Here we are. So yeah, man, I can't say that I've quite adjusted to like not having a daily schedule, you know, because for 20 years it was go to work, work for eight days, and then six days catch up on all the stuff you couldn't do in the eight days, uh, on, right. on the, on the time off. But, uh, I think I'm taken to it. Well, but you know, I titled the podcast like life after police work and yes, which is kind of like an ambiguous title or we could go anywhere with it. But, um, but one of the things that, yeah, you know, you were kind of one of the first guys I saw that really put a lot of focus on chapter two after police work, um, with the acting like acting gigs and, and, uh, audition stuff. And, and, uh, what got you into that? Like what made, what inspired you to do that? You know, it was, uh, it's kind of a weird story. I mean, kind of funny story. My, uh, my middle son, he is in Los Angeles and he works in the, uh, in the, uh, the business, uh, the film film industry uh, type business. Uh, he he edits uh, film projects, and you know he he's on set. He does commercials, and he works kind of behind the the scene type deal, uh, the filmography, the videography. And he he came to the house one time, came to stay with us for a couple of weeks, and uh, he had bought a new camera. And this was in I want to say two thousand end of two thousand eleven. December, in fact, because he'd come home for Christmas and he had a new camera. It was a camera, uh, a Canon 7D. I'll never forget this for whatever reason, but uh, he's walking around and he's he's testing it out. And my wife and I are outside. We're kind of doing a little gardening. And he walks up and he says, hey, dad, let me help me test out my new camera. I want to test out the video. And so he points the camera in my face and he says, uh, say something. I was like, well, <laughs> what do you want me to say? You know, and uh, he said, I don't care just say anything. And so something clicked in my mind and I said, wait a second, I'll be right back. So I went in the house and I wrote this little five minute monologue about a about a uh, uh, soldier who had come back with a little PTSD and, and some issues. Right. So I did this middle little five minute monologue and he's looking at his video and he goes, you know, you're not you're not that good, but you're not that bad. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> he said, you should take some acting lessons. I said, what? He said, yeah. So that Christmas he bought me acting lessons for a place there in Norman called the actor factory. And it was like January 2nd, 2012 was my first acting class. I'll never forget it. It was acting for the cameras, basically, you know, a beginner type class for people who, who want to be an actor or, or learn. And 
I got in front of the camera for a few classes and man, I was hooked. I knew I saw these other people getting up there where we're doing scenes together. And, and some of these people in the classes had actually been out to LA to do some work and you know, work with some, some, some uh, people in the business and they would tell these stories. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really awesome. You know, they started telling stories about uh, being extras on military type sets and uh, they were talking about they're saying hey you're you're you know you're you're a cop you're uh, you're in the military you know tactics uh you know there's kind of a demand for for uh technical advisors in those fields you might think about us i'm like wow you never know man so i was hooked after those those first few classes in that year in 2012 i took every class that uh, the actor factory offered from you know camera auditioning uh improvisation um, so yeah, for a year, I took every class they had and every workshop they offered, you know, it's like anything else, you know, being from our, our, our field, if you're going to, if you're going to be a cop or you're going to work in firearms or whatever, what do you got to do? You got to train. So, you know, and I've known that ever since my military and police careers. So I knew I had to train and I trained up in acting and, and I still continuously do that whenever I can, uh, because I mean, all skills are perishable. Right. So right. I started doing that and you, you get to know people in the business and like, Hey, uh, my buddy, he's doing this little, uh, indie movie over here and he's looking for somebody who looks like you. Okay. So most of the stuff that I've done to date was, you know, kind of in the indie indie scene, done done a lot of indie type projects, some that are do pretty good in the, uh, film festivals, some, never saw the light of day. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So that, that's how I got into it. And I was doing that obviously part-time when I was a police officer in, uh, in 2019, I was able to, uh, land a, uh, a national spot, uh, which are, are really sought after gigs with, uh, with a USAA commercial, which played everywhere on the planet. It seemed like for several years, and it was a really, really, it, it got my face out there and uh, uh, helped introduce me to some some other people uh, in the business, uh, agents and whatnot. So now I, uh, that's what I do, man. I, uh, my agent uh, will get me some auditions. And the great thing about technology today, you know, a, a person can lay down an audition on something you carry in your back pocket, you know, mm -hmm. your phone and you can send it to a director, producer, casting director anywhere on the planet in a few seconds, literally. That's, that's been a great uh, boon to, to someone like me who lives in the middle of Oklahoma and I'm not out in LA or uh, Atlanta. We do have, yeah, the big cities. And so we have an opportunity to compete in the industry as well. Yeah. Did the, I hate to say the pandemic, but that whole deal seemed to really push, push the tech side of things. Um, especially like in the firearms world, I saw a lot more, uh, growth in the, like, I hate to call it the virtual space, but you know, people doing lessons over a computer, or holding training seminars on zoom and things like that. And that, that's where I saw that big, you know, you talk about auditions cause we were working together when you were doing a lot of the video auditions. And I was like, man, everything 
because everything was shut down, it was like everything went to, man, I throw my phone on a tripod and do the same thing I would do on a, take a four hour flight and go read or audition. And then I, I even saw it creep into like police work. You remember that, like having to do mm-hmm. z- like training, virtual training and stuff like that, which, you know, I have some mixed emotions about, but, but yeah, that the uh, USAA commercial. And I, I'll never forget you, you shot a commercial for one of our past sponsors, CCW safe, where mm-hmm. you were playing the felon and it was like, <laughs> Man, it was gnarly, dude. I, I was like, oh my gosh. And my mom, of all people, goes, did they hire somebody from prison to do that? And I was like, no, man, that's Phil. He's like the nicest guy ever. And she's like, he's a cop. Oh my gosh. He, <laughs> so, oh, but, uh, but yeah, it, sounds, it seems like you stay pretty busy with it. You know, one of the things that's concerned me is, uh, and it kind of ties into that life after retirement thing is, you know, we've, we've both had, uh, you know, lost friends to personal battles, like right after they've retired and, uh, and health issues that I, I don't know. I, I tell people keep moving, don't find the recliner in the Coors lights or you'll exactly <laughs> the dumb wisers or whatever. Cause man, it'll catch you quick. Um, do you have a daily routine or do you just, you know, take the day as it comes. Um, yeah, I pretty much have a, a daily routine. You know, the wife, the wife retired about two months before I did. And, um, she, uh, she was, at, she also did, uh, 29 years at her job. We kind of started the same time, retired the same time. And she retired before, two months before me. And she was saying, Hey, Phil, I, you need to retire too. And, and I, and I would tell her, look, I still like it, babe. You know, it's, I'm still having a good time. And I think I was actually trying to convince myself more than I was trying to convince her because that was uh, right at the time that the civil unrest was hitting COVID hit. And I mean, the world was changing pretty drastically. And my last few days on the streets, you know, I was involved in a couple of, uh, use of force incidents that, you know, I stepped back and I said, you know what, I'm closing in on 60 years old. This is not something that I want to do anymore. And so I called her up one time after, after one of these incidents as I, Hey, darling, uh, yeah, I'm out of here. You've, (laughs) you've convinced me we, we are going to retire. And so what we do now is we'll, uh, we'll wake up, in the morning and we'll go sit outside and drink tea, coffee, you know, talk about the life, whatever I'll get on my computer. I'll check my emails from my agent. Um, you know, there's a couple of different acting websites that I use, um, for, to submit for auditions and see if any of them are asking for, for auditions. And if they, if there are, I'll immediately go into uh, planning mode, you know, printing out the script, uh, going out to my uh, man cave, and I set up my little uh, studio where I have my uh, recording and my video stage type deal, and uh, and and I'll make that happen. <clears throat> and then, you know, if, if there's yard work to be done, I'll do that. Whatever <laughs> I need to do around the house, you know, take care of take care of honeydews, you know, happy wife, happy life type deal, and 
I mean, you know, it's, you know, I live a very normal and regular life, you know, which is the way, way I like it. So yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much our life. Yeah. What was the, uh, what was the transition like for you? For me, there hadn't been a whole lot of change. I just don't go do police work anymore because I had well, so many other irons in the fire, but uh, exactly. But, but what, like, what yeah. was kind of the, the transition for you? Was it pretty dramatic or you know when you do something for so long every single day you know like say i i did it for 29 years and and i was on the street the whole time and when you do something that long you know i've been retired now for three years and i still feel like i'm on my eight days off you know i I, it's (laughs) just just that feeling that I'm going to go back to work. I'm just still on my days off. And, yeah. you know, I, I can't shake that feeling, you know, and I dream about work every single night, every single night. I dream something about work, you know, whether it's, uh, whether it's, and, and I'm not going to say, and and it's not all terrors or nightmares or and most of them are just like, Hey, there's so-and-so let's go get a cup of coffee together. And, and we're, and we're driving down the road and going to a call and we're talking to people are, are the nightmares there? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those, you know, that's, that's going to happen. Um, and, and that's another big thing is, uh, learning how to deal with that, you know, and, uh, you know, I, if, if anybody keeps up with me on social media, one of my big things is, uh, uh, I try to bring awareness to the the tragedy of veteran veteran suicide, uh, police suicide, uh, the mental health of first responders. You know, that's just something. That's just me. I try I try to help out. You know, I talk to uh, a lot of veterans that uh, uh, that I work with. You know, through the years. You know, I've actually tried to you know try to help guys get their VA benefits. That's just you know that's one of my missions. I uh, I go to the VA hospitals and there's a group of guys that I will sit with uh, and, and just talk to, you know, old vets and we'll talk and, you know, try to talk things out. And, and, and that's just something I, I do, but, uh, you know, people, those feelings, I don't care how stable you think you are in your mental health. Cause I like to think I'm very, very stable, but you know, there's some nights when you're laying there in bed going, man, what's this all about? You know, or you think back to, one of your uh, horrible calls that you were on, you know, a couple of years before or whatever. I know you have those stories and, and those memories. A lot of guys do. Uh, so when you don't have your job to help take your mind off of those things, then I noticed that I would dwell on those a little more if I didn't stay busy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so the transition into retired life is, you know, one of my tricks is, you know, it's pretty easy. I just, I'm like you, man. I just don't do police work anymore. So, hey, what, hey, wife, what you want me to do? Hey, uh, okay, I'm going to go do this yard work. Hey, let me work on this script. Uh, let me go work on uh, laying this audition down. Let me go out here and sing some songs. Just, I stay busy. I stay busy. And I, I encourage anybody, retired or otherwise, to do that because even if you're still working, if you have downtime and you know, you're not using your noodle to keep it busy, then, you know, that's when those thoughts creep in. So got to stay busy, man. Yeah. 
had an injury right before I left and I ended up being laid up fortunately or fortunately or unfortunately it wasn't on duty but uh yeah I had to spend a lot of time not being as mobile as I'm used to being and it was torture uh and then you know recently I had to <laughs> I had to take some time off and uh, which is one of the reasons the podcast hasn't been going out every week like normal. But, uh, man, you're absolutely right. You get uh, you get a little, like, downtime in your head. And, man, it's – I had a dream the other night about stuff that happened 20 years ago, you know, and it was like I was right there again. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been a real challenge for me is just – you know, staying busy, but not just staying busy to stay busy, stay, you know, staying productive, I guess is what you, what I like to think of it as. And, and, uh, fortunately, I mean, I have a lot of activities to do that with, but you know, you talked about veteran suicide and police suicide. And I think year over year, there are more cops take their own life than, than are killed in the line of duty by a pretty fair margin. And that's not counting retirees. Um, you know, I don't think anybody's tracking that number. Um, right. We've both experienced it several times and it's, it's, uh, it's sad when you see a guy, you know, work a career and, and, uh, you know, you see his retirement announcement and then six months later you get a, you know, a, uh, memorial service invitation that like, I hate that. I hate to see guys that, you know, put in that much time and then don't get to enjoy the chapter two but uh yeah exactly you know and and i I try to that's one thing i I try to spread that message and and tell everybody i know look if there's something bugging you man talk to somebody talk to me you know i've i had my phone number out a lot and uh you know i fully expect not expect but i hope that somebody would uh you know give me a call if, if if they're uh feeling that type of way, but yeah, it, it's a sad deal, man. And, and just something that, uh, some, that people really need to, uh, work on your mental health because, you know, you see a lot of guys who go to the gym every day and they talk about, uh, you know, I'm doing this exercise or I'm doing this workout, I'm doing this Murph workout, or I'm doing this uh, workout of the day, whatever. Great. That's fantastic. And I encourage that, but, uh, you know, physically, and mentally, we need to uh, need to concentrate on you. We need to concentrate on you. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier. You said you knew there was. A, was it a triggering event, or was it the, just the wife saying, "Hey, it's time to retire"? Or what? Like brought that on? I get a lot of dudes ask me this question. Like, how did you know it was time to go? And mm-hmm. for me, it was. You know, I. I I had an injury and I had to take some time off. Like I had to, there was no, no way around it. And, uh, at the, as I started to recover, I went, you know, I I just don't miss that. Like, I don't miss that, that job anymore. I used to miss it. And then that was the first time ever that, that, and that's what triggered it for me is I went, "I, I think it's time to close that book, you know? Um, so what was it for yeah. you? Same kind of thing or? Yeah, similar. I, uh, like I say, I had 29 years in, I was closing in on, <clears throat> on 60 years old and the wife was after me to retire. And, but 
and I said, Hey, I still, I still like it. And, and I did, I enjoyed it. You know, my, my last year and a half, I was working in the homeless outreach team and I, uh, like I say, COVID hit, the civil unrest was really unleashing around the country. I was just getting, I don't know how to explain it. I was just getting a weird vibe driving around the city in a police car wearing a police uniform. It was just, it was just a weird vibe. I, I really can't describe it. And I got a call over to one of the homeless shelters, uh, <clears throat> reference to a disturbance with uh, an intoxicated male with a pit bull. So, you know, I'm a homeless outreach guy. That's a homeless shelter. I'm well, I better go over there. So I get over there. I'm the first unit there. And like I said, COVID had kicked in. So they're, they're not letting anybody in inside the shelters, mm -hmm. but they're letting them all mill around outside. So, uh, there was not one guy with a pit bull intoxicated. There were two guys intoxicated with pit bulls. You know, you I mean, you can't, you can't make this stuff up and in a very large crowd of people. Well, these guys are holding their pit bulls, but they're letting them lunge at each other. Like they're fixing to have a dog fight. And the two guys holding the pit bulls were very intoxicated. The people were around them screaming and cheering them on, let the dogs go, let the dogs go. And I mean, there's little kids around there's, you know, and, infirm people in wheelchairs nearby it's just it's just madness and, and i walk up to this scene and i'm the only one there and i'm trying to break them up hey guys break it up break it up and uh uh an individual who's leaning down in there and screaming at these dogs to kill each other i just tapped his arm and said sir can you step back a little bit well he turns around and you know he wants to uh, he wants to confront me and he wants to fight me and very direct yeah. uh, derogatory words towards me. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm looking this situation spin out of control because the dogs do lock up and they're, and they're fighting each other. And these are grown big pit bulls. And I'm, I'm soaking this scene in and I'm going, what am I doing? This is not what I want to do anymore. And not only do I not want to do it, I can't do this anymore. And, so that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And, and you and I both know that there's a lot of straws throughout our careers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. So, so for, for this to be the one that finally broke my camel's back, I, that I couldn't do it anymore, man. And, you know, and uh, I like to think I'm a very compassionate person. I pray for almost everybody I come into contact with, you know, even the people that I, I was dealing with here, you know, and, uh, and I was really praying at that time, Lord, please let this take another direction, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, nobody got hurt. Uh, I mean, some dogs and, and a couple of people got some, uh, some OC spray, you know, to kind of break it up. And, and I was able to contain the situation without anything bad happening, which I'm glad, but I knew, man, I knew that's, that's, I, I can't do this anymore. So, yeah. Man, I've seen a lot of guys that they just stay a day too long, you know? Yeah. One call too many, one day too long. I, I used to really think 
man, why, why a guy wouldn't do 35 years and do this, you know, and, um, but I really, you know, I, I told somebody at, at work, I was like, you know, I mean, I'm, I was 43 and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm still in good shape, but every single incident was like, it had a compounding effect, like physically, you know, you know, your injuries don't heal as fast or at mm-hmm. all. Um, that was a staggering realization I had. And, uh, and I, I had a couple of, couple of really bad days there where I was like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I just don't. And I look at the young guys and I'm like, man, we need you dudes to be well-trained and motivated because, uh, I'm, I'm going to go hang it up, <laughs> but yeah. And I think everybody reaches that time at a different, you know, different space or, or whatever, but, uh, especially when you stay in a police car for, for that long and, and I never had the desire to go sit behind a desk, you know, I mean, or, or be an investigator or whatever, nothing against that. It just, it wasn't in my personality to, you know, work an eight to five job. I just, and I liked, I liked being in a car and having my, you know, my own workspace, I guess you could say. And, and, and I, that, that's a really addicting thing. I think in police work is, you know, when your alternative is, well, I get to go turn the car in and now I get a desk and a computer and like, you know, instead of, instead of being days on end where it's, it's, you might see one or two other cops, your entire shift, you know, and the rest of the time, it's like, you're the, you're the king and commander of the ship. That's a, it's a hard thing to break away from. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and, uh, and my wife used to always tell me, Hey, just get out before something happens, you know, which is, which is so true. You know, unfortunately a police officer can be doing his job and be completely righteous in his actions follow every policy, follow every state, local, and federal law doing his job. But it, it's going to look very, very ugly to the, to the general public. And, you know, an officer can, uh, you know, he can fade heat when, when he really shouldn't, when he shouldn't have to. And, and that's unfortunate. So, you know, uh, another thing that played into it. So, so now I get to... Uh, you know, I get to uh, do fun things. Uh, I, I consider fun. I, you know, I do my acting. Um, you know, I was in the pool with the grandkids yesterday, and uh, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's a good life. Um, I'm having a good time, and uh, there, there's a lot of things that uh, you know. It's something I gotta, I gotta commend you for because you've always been big in the. Uh, in the training world, firearms training world, or, or, or training in general, when I retired, you know, spending 29 years in a police car, uh, dealing with all manner of people, good and bad, and there are some bad out there, and listening to people threatening you, saying that at some point they will see me again. And, uh, you know, I, I take that kind of stuff to heart and I know that you, uh, you talk a lot about, uh, concealed carry and carrying off duty and retired. And, and, uh, you know, I followed you for years uh, on that, uh, uh, on that subject. 
And that's another thing that, uh, you know, I keep, I carry daily. Um, I train whenever possible. Um, probably not enough, but, you know, after 29 years and 25 years, uh, SWAT and going to the range, uh, it's not the funnest thing in the world for me to do. I, I still, I still enjoy it somewhat, but, um, I still carry religiously and, uh, that's, you know, that's something else that I recommend that uh, guys making that transition. I mean, that's, you know, just because you're, you're not a cop anymore, you've dealt with people in the past who may hold grudges. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, one time I was taking my trash down as, because my wife said, Hey, the trash truck is coming. So I ran out there, grabbed my trash can. I'm hustling down to the end of my driveway. And I've got like a my driveway is like 180 feet. It's, it's kind of far out there to the street and I'm rolling up. And as the trash truck is getting closer, the driver leans out and goes, Hey, Sergeant Paz. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I said, okay. So this guy knows me from somewhere. I said, so, you know, I'm playing up because there I am. I'm not armed. And this guy says, Hey, Sergeant Paz. And I'm looking at him like, Hey, how you doing, buddy? What's going on? He said, you don't remember me, do you? I said, no, I don't. You know, of course, I've got this big grin on my face because I, I don't know this guy. I'm trying to keep him happy. And, you know, I'm uh, trying to show him that I have an outgoing personality. And, you know, let's hey, let's tell jokes instead of fight if that's what's going to happen. <laughs> he said, yeah, you arrested me for meth at uh, at a certain uh, pool hall from back in the day. I said, oh, hey, man, how's it going? How, how you been doing? He goes, well, I'm clean for so many years now. I'm like, that's great, dude. That's great. I'm going to say a prayer for you. I really appreciate, you know, you saying that. It's good to see you. And so, you know, it's these things, these things happen. And, and on a different occasion, a few years later, I'm some uh, construction workers are doing some work uh, on my gas lines. And uh, same thing. Hey, are you, uh, you know, of course at this time I'm retired and I've got my, my beard and he says, Hey, uh, are you, are you Sergeant pause? And, uh, I said, yes, I am buddy. How you doing? And he said, I'm doing good. Um, he said, yeah, you arrested me and my brother and my mom for having meth back in whatever year. It's like, gosh, 15 years ago. I said, well, okay. Um, so we talked for a minute. I said, Hey, uh, I said, how did I treat you? He said, well, pretty good. I don't know if you remember or not, but as you were taking us to jail, you stopped at McDonald's and you got us all hamburgers. That's <laughs> awesome, dude. I, I, I didn't, I did not remember that particular incident. Yeah. Uh, but, but that sounds like something that I would do. And uh, so, and this guy, he went on to tell me how, you know, he's doing good now. His brother went down a different path and is in prison. His mom's doing better. She actually listens to me sing on my social media and, uh, and he's doing well. He's got a a child now and he and his wife are doing good. So it happens. It happens, man. You know, fortunately in those incidents, these, these guys were, you know, changed people and they were friendly, but you know, it could happen at the drop of a hat that uh, somebody who may not be as forgiving or uh, grateful that, you know, you can run into them just as well at any time. So anywhere I go, I, I, I carry daily. Um, you know, I know 
you and uh, and your dad, I, I listen to a lot of the stuff that you guys say in your podcasts and uh, practice practice a lot of that. You know, you one of your your rule number one is have a have gun. A okay. Yeah, <laughs> I I I pay attention to your rules, man. I, I really do, and and so you have a lot of influence over people and, uh, you know, I, I commend you for that and, and uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. You, you mentioned something that, uh, a minute ago you said, you know, it's not as fun for me anymore. And I was telling, I was in Amarillo with, uh, my buddy Daryl teaching a class and someone said, man, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a lot of fun, you know, being out here and traveling and, teaching and i was like you know it it's not fun it's work and when you know you get to see the the polished end product here i said but for me it's it's almost like going to the gym or or doing something physical that you maybe you don't you're not in the mood you don't want to but you have it's like i have to do that um yeah the other day i had yeah, I was working on some guns and I was like, oh man, I need to take these to the range for test fire, you know, and I'm grabbing, I'm grabbing my, uh, range bag. And I realized I was like, you know, this is like my gym bag. You know, some guys have their gym bag part and it's like, oh, I got to go get my workout. in. for me, that's what it's like the shooting and training part. That's what it's like. It's like, man, I got to go, I got to go get my workout in. Um, and I don't do it as much as people think I do. Uh, but I try to get to the range at least twice a month. And then, uh, you know, I carry all the time. If I, if there's somewhere I can't carry, it better be pretty secure, you know, uh, because I mean, you know, as well as I do when seconds count, cops are only minutes away, man. It's like, exactly. No, you know, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna come bail you out of a jam you got to fix your own problem and then wait for the cavalry to get there and uh that's something uh I'll, yeah i'll throw a plug to tom givens uh when i went to his course he really frames that up well uh just with past students of his and all that that have, have been involved in incidents and you know his his mindset it really really made me flip mine instead of, Oh my God, I can't believe this happened to me. You know, this incident is coming to me instead of that. It's more of, well, I knew this was bound to happen sometime, you know? Uh, and mm-hmm. with cops, I think the potential there when you leave the job or, or even when you're on the job, I can't tell you the amount of times I ran into somebody I had dealt with a couple of days before. Um, and you never deal with them when they're having their best day. Yeah, it's nobody ever right. calls you and says, I just want to have right. coffee. Can you come to my house and just have that? That never one time happened in 20 years. But, uh, but, <laughs> but if you could, uh, let's say if you could go back 32 years now, like what would be some of the advice you would give yourself before you started into the job? Well, <clears throat> I think number one, I would say, spend more time with the family because, you know, when my kids were little, uh, it was, I was pretty, uh, I was pretty hardcore, man. I was, uh, you know, everything had to be perfect for the job. I was, you know, you know, I was on the tag team, 
you know, I was on, on call 24 seven. And, uh, so I would just, I would just spend more time with my family and just try to be a little less hardcore as far as the job goes, because I mean, that job is not going to last, man. But, but those little bitty kids that you have, I mean, they're still going to be around, you know, you know, if, if, if you have a good family, I mean, they're, they're going to be around, you know, until, you know, hopefully until I'm an old man and, or older man. And, uh, and, and I'm going, so anyway, I would, I would spend more time with my family. Um, and, and I used to tell, and later in my career, I would tell these new officers, as I said, look, this, there's nothing more important than your family, especially this job. Okay. This job is important, but it's not any more, it's not more important than your family. And and there were, there were a few times when, you know, I would let work get in the way. And here's a perfect example of that, man. I was, uh, my my daughter, you know, she's 30, I don't know, five, 36 now. But when she was about four years old, I remember I got a tag team call out in the middle of a cold night and it was two or three o'clock in the morning as I'm in there grabbing my stuff and throwing it in the bags, getting ready to head out and go to this tag team call out. My, my little girl comes in there. She says, daddy, can you come and read me a story? And she's, you know, got her pajamas on and she got her little book there. Daddy, can you come and read me? a story, you know, completely oblivious to, you know, what, <laughs> what's happening in life, you know? And, uh, and I said, well, baby, I can't right now. Um, I have to go to work. I'm sorry. So I, you know, gave her a kiss on the head and put her mom, put her back in bed. And, you know, to this day, all these years later, I still think about that. You know, if, if, if I had that to do over again, I would have called one of my buddies and made sure there were enough, uh, enough uh, snipers to cover that incident. And if there were, I would have said, I ain't making it tonight, fellas. I'm going to go in here and read my little, you know, well, I would, I would say whatever, but <laughs> I would, I would have made the time for her that particular night, because for some reason I think about that night every so often, well, a lot. And uh, it, so spend more time with your family is what I'd tell young Phil. Um, uh, that you know, that's probably the biggest thing, and mm-hmm. uh, because I, I pretty much lived the way that uh, that I wanted to, you know, and I I trained a lot, um, you know, I, I I like to think I did my job well, and uh, I tried to help people, you know, um, I was a pretty compassionate guy. I mean, that would be my biggest deal is. Uh, you know, take care of your family, put your family first, no matter what. What about, uh, fast forward? What would you tell, um, retiree Phil? Like, is there any, is there anything like unforeseen challenges that you've had since you retired that you would, uh, I don't know, make an adjustment or. Yes. And here, here's what I say to uh and to retirees because that's when it affected me harder is the mental aspect of my being okay because when i was working yeah did i have some issues yeah could i but they were mostly contained because i still had stuff to do at work mm-hmm. all right and it had a lot of responsibility so when you retire 
a ton of responsibility is lifted off your shoulders. So now you start thinking, okay, you lay in bed at night. Um, a lot of mornings you don't have to particularly get up at a certain time. So you might lay there in bed. Cause I know for, for me personally, I do a ton of my thinking and thoughts creep into my head when I'm laying in bed, either when I go to bed at night or when I wake up in the morning and thoughts start creeping into your head. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid that if you have an issue, go somewhere, talk it out with somebody. Um, there's, uh, <clears throat> you know, a, a lot of times people who are veterans, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going down to the VA and talking things out. Nothing wrong with that. If you have something that you want to get off your chest, go down there, you know, go to mental health, talk to people. Um, if, if you, if you don't have a military, uh, background or access to the VA, there's a lot of, uh, programs out there that they can help people. I mean, your department, uh, may have some, uh, I know right before I left, I was offered, uh, I say right before is, you know, maybe a couple of years before, uh, after being involved in some critical incidents, I was offered, uh, to go to actually a week long, uh, camp for lack of a better word, just, uh, and I don't really like to call it treatment, but it's to get away. And basically you talk it out every day with, uh, with people who are you know trained to listen to you. Uh, I, I did not need to, because I had other avenues, uh, in, under my belt that I could, that I could uh, utilize, but there, there are programs out there that can help people that, you know, have some issues and don't be afraid to, uh, utilize those because, you know, we're human beings, man. Uh, don't like to show it. You know, I've actually heard officers say PTSD is a made up condition. Well, that's, I'm glad you are so I'm glad you're so stable in your mental health. And I truly am that that you can say things like that. But that that doesn't really apply to everyone across the board. Um, so, yeah, man, that if I was going to give a, a, a piece of advice to a retiree, if, if you have some issues, I mean, if you have a heart issue, you go see the doctor. Right. If you break your leg and you go see the doctor, if something's wrong, uh, you know, mentally you go see somebody there's no shame in it there is no shame in it yeah that that was uh it's funny i was on a, a podcast with a friend of mine's uh, wife did that it was called and of all things it's called slaying the stigma like uh and, and i've talked about you know uh let's see yeah i had about 11 years on before i went and talked to anybody and dude i was I was in a bad way and, uh, you know, and I still have a standing appointment to this day once a month. It, I've got a retired cop that I, he calls himself a therapist, but he's more of a friend now than he is a therapist. And, uh, one of the, one of the things I did before I left was people that I was really keen, you know, after you've kind of traveled the road of self-destruction a bit, um, mm -hmm. I would start you know, I'd see an incident happen and then I'd see dudes start 
toddling down the path of uh, self-destruction. And, and, you know, I always tried to be a little more open about that with some of the guys that were a little more uh, hardcore, I guess you could say, is like, and there, there's no shame in making a phone call and I'll drive you to the office, man. Like right. it's, it's, uh, and that oddly enough in retirement, you know, I thought, whew, as soon as I get out of there, all this stuff will go right along. It, it'll just all go away. And, and, uh, you know, happy life from here on out. And it's been quite the opposite. Uh, not that I'm right. unhappy in any way. It's just, uh, you know, when you don't, like when you're trying to redefine your purpose is when, when that stuff starts to, well, and for me, it's replay something that happened 20 years ago and go, man, I wish I would have done that different, man. I hope those people are okay. I wonder if I said something that made it, you know, you get into that, that loop and, yeah. and it's, it's definitely not a pleasant place to be. Uh, and luckily, you know, I mean, I've got some, I've got a great supporter. So, uh, and she, she can tell yeah. when, uh, like, Hey man, you've listened to that song like four times in a row. I think it's time to call your dude, <laughs> you know? So, that, yes. and that's, that's like yes. our code word. Hey, it's time to call your dude. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm kind of ticking. Um, and I wish they would drop the D in post-traumatic stress disorder. Cause right, I, right. I don't think it's a disorder. I think it's a, you know, natural part of the human condition that, uh, you know, and I don't care, like I've talked to cops, you know, from working in the training industry from all over the country and you could fill in the blank for the worksheet and just change the name at the top. It's all the mm -hmm. same. It doesn't matter where you're at. It is all the same. Um, you know, I, I have buds from LA to Florida to New York and all, all points in between, and every one of us that's involved in the training industry, man, you can write the career down and it sounds almost the same. And it's mm -hmm. like, um, but yeah, so I would say, I would agree with that. Like younger me, if I could go back and say, Hey, when you're prepping for retirement, so like up the amount of appointments, dude, <laughs> or something. So yeah, yeah, and there, there's no shame in it. I, I talk to someone regularly, so yeah. it's you know there's no shame in it. Yeah, no shame in it. Well, what? Uh, but uh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, uh, yeah, going back to uh, concealed carry. Yeah, I, uh, um, I keep my training up. Like I say, it's not the funnest thing in the world for me to go to the range anymore. I mean, but I still kind of enjoy it and i still I, I know it's necessary i call one of my buddies up i got some trooper buddies and uh you know i'll call them and say hey you want to meet at the range and uh you know because i have more fun visiting with them than the actual shooting part but they they you know we make it fun we have you know some contests or shooting under time and just you know just different stuff but uh i know that if if i'm gonna be carrying every day for the rest of my life you better keep up your skills, you know, to, to, to some extent. So, you know, uh, I recommend that, you know, hanging, hanging your gun up. And, uh, the only time you break it out is when you go to Walmart. I mean, that's cool. If, if you think you can remember everything, but you know, the thing, the shooting skills are perishable and 
you know, get some reps in, get a few reps in. Well, where can, uh, where can we find you? If, uh, if somebody was looking at, uh, you know, your acting stuff, which I, I find it fascinating. I follow you on social media and I, you know, sometimes you'll post a, like an audition video or a short film or whatever. And, uh, mm-hmm. I'm like, it, it, it's surreal to me to see you in that role because I'm pardon the pun role, but, um, <laughs> because I'm like, man, I know that guy. Like I just had breakfast with that guy the other day. Like it, it, it just, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things I, I look at and I go, man, that is so cool that it's like a radical departure from, uh, you know, from the guy I used to have lunch with. I'm like, where did that, where's that from? You know? So w- where can we find yeah, you? Yeah. You have yeah, a I website? Mean, uh, or- I'm on, I'm on social media. No, I don't have any, I don't have, I, I did have a website for a long time, but then it got to the point where you can't get any traffic on your own personal website. So I just, uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, uh, Facebook under Philip Paz actor, um, Twitter under, uh, at the messenger. Um, yeah, man, just, uh, because you know that what you're talking about, you know, is so different. Well, that's, that's, that's kind of by design, you know, I want, although I loved that world for 29 years and it was cool and everything, now I want to, I want to completely reinvent myself. And I've got my air quotes going here. I want to reinvent <laughs> myself, you know, and uh, I just, I just want to do things that I think are fun. That's another thing about retirement. The wife and I, we're just going to do things that we think are fun, you know, because for so long we did things that weren't, we did not consider fun. So now we're just going to do things. If I want to, if I want to record myself singing a song and throw it on Facebook and let everybody, you know, see me if they don't want to watch it. Oh, well, I'm having fun. You know what I mean? If I want to, uh, uh, if I want to audition for as many shows as I can, that's what I do for fun, man. But, uh, yeah, so that, that, that's by design. That's by design. Well, cool. But, uh, well, what's your, uh, what's your final parting shot here? And then we'll roll the outro. Okay. This, uh, since, uh, since I'm an actor now, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little quiz. I'm going to do, I'm going to do a monologue. It's from a movie that was pretty big a few years back. I want to see if you can, uh, you can name the movie. <clears throat> About five years ago, when I was home on leave, I found myself standing in the middle of the cereal aisle at the Publix with my arm around some guy's throat. I was squeezing so hard he pissed himself. My fiance at the time had to climb on my back so I didn't actually kill the guy. You know why I was doing this? because he hadn't moved his cart when I asked. I was the best of the best, able to shut down, control, manipulate, all basic human instincts towards the completion of one goal, the completion of my mission. But the effects of committing extreme violence on other human beings are biological and physiological. 
That's the price of being a warrior. Name that movie. Well, what was the movie? <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Thanks for coming on, man. It's uh, We've talked about this for a couple of years, and finally our schedule's lined out. So a reminder, check out today's sponsors, handgundrills.com. And if you want to check out some of Phil's uh, social media content and acting stuff, uh, Philip Paz Actor on Facebook. Also, Manisex. Still loving the Manisex. That thing's a lot of fun, especially doing uh, live fire training with it on. And if you haven't tried that yet, it's it's kind of uh, kind of enlightening. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. The Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.